Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinus. Makalua. The main team. Mega Bears fan. With guest co-hosts. 20 minutes late for a new program. That's not too bad, I don't think. Good day, everybody, and welcome to Polycast, episode 343. There's getting to be a lot of these things. I am your co-host, Canis Albinus, and I'm joined with our regulars, Makalua. Pretty quick for only short tef- uh, technical difficulty cast. Mega Bears fan. Now on TeamSpeak. And filling in for our missing Lemian team is Drew Zane. This is Drew Zane saying, uh, hold on. Stuff and things. Uh, I'm just here to warn everyone that Makia is indeed a Cylon, and I recommend throwing her out of the airlock at ESAP. No, that's tomorrow we play Cylons and throw each other out the airlock. Uh, okay. We've been playing a lot of games uh, lately. Phil's not here, but yeah, I've been playing a lot of games here that are not Civ, so uh, forgive me if I'm a little out of date on a few things. Uh, one, of these days, to... <laughs> I, one of these days, I gotta get a free Sunday night so I can play them board games with you. Oh, we do some crazy... For you, it's Sunday at noon. Yeah. yeah that's the problem of trying to find his time frame. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a few hours different than everybody else. Well, our normal host is British time, so it's it gets interesting. Okay, so I guess we should talk about actual Civ stuff then. Let us begin with news. So apparently the Rise and Fall expansion for Civilization VI is finally available on iOS for the lovely price of $30. And I guess all other content for the game on iOS or for all platforms, I'm not sure, is also on sale. Did you say so, three or thirty? Thirty dollars. Yes. Okay. Twenty nine ninety nine USD. Wow, that's a lot for. So when I first read this, I I was prepped for this like an hour before this, and I was just skimming this, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's fine. You know, uh, uh, gathering storms happened, you know, just about a year ago, so that makes sense. Oh wait, this is this is rise and fall. Yep. For full price. And on top of that, I, the the iPad and Switch versions of the game are almost identical, except I think they, like, max out on, like, standard map size and number of sieves. So, like, it is a slightly scaled-down version. So you, you'd think maybe there'd be a little bit of a discount there, but uh, apparently... And I guess it's been selling pretty well, so... Oh, I'm sure it sells pretty fine, but this is kind of the problem that I have when you have a situation where you have a difference between the PC version and non-PC versions. If you can only sell it in one location on the mobile, then yeah, you can do it for full price. But this is a two or three year, well, not three years, but two years expansion, and it's not even what's current in the game. I don't know. It doesn't... I don't think it's worth the value. In in the article, it said that that was a pretty good value. I don't, but if it, if it's your only opportunity to play Civ Six, then fine. But otherwise, I would highly recommend just hold off until uh, the rest of the content comes out. I am of the opinion that anything that comes out on the iOS, you pay what you get for it because you're already using an overpriced piece of um, technology. So yeah. as for the Switch, yeah, it's going to be expensive, but it's the Switch. 
they can charge that much because there's never been a Civ game on Switch before. They can. I mean, they can make any price points that they want to. I just don't think that if you are a smart consumer, if you have the opportunity, now maybe your computer can't run Civ 6, but your phone can, in which case that's just how it is. But if you can run Civ uh, 6 for a lot less than $30 for Rise and Fall, the first expansion out of two, then I would suggest you find better ways to, to consume that particular game. I also want to point out, as I always do whenever we talk about the iOS or Switch versions of the game, uh, if you have another tablet that just runs Windows, you might be able to play Civ 6, you know, just the regular Windows version <laughs> off Steam on that tablet. I have a Microsoft Surface, and, you know, I have to run the game on low graphics settings, which makes all the leaders look like they have platinum white hair for some reason. <laughs> but it, it, it runs just fine. I don't even have to use Strategic View or anything. So if you want to get a portable Civ fix, and Civ is really great as a portable game, I always want to emphasize that as well. I take it on like road trips in the when I'm in the passenger seat, obviously, plane trips, and I, I really enjoy being able to do that on trips. So it's great as a portable game, and if you've got a decent or high-end Windows tablet, or maybe even an Android tablet that can emulate Windows, then... You can play it there. You do not have to shell out for the iPad version. Yes, that is absolutely a good way to be able to use your game on uh, a portable system if you have the opportunity. So that is a good thing to mention. Yeah, and again, I, I want to emphasize that the iPad and Switch versions of the game are, are the full game. They're only slightly scaled down in terms of the, the options that you have for like setting the size of the game. So you, mm -hmm. you, the only limitation is that you cannot have the big epic you know, scale games that you can play on on PC. What do you mean, epic scale? Uh, I, I like I said, I think it it maxes out at the standard map size and number of civilizations. So you cannot. I think I think the iPad and you know someone else can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the iPad and Switch versions do not allow you to play larger, huge maps or have more than the default eight or ten civs. You can play smaller maps, but you can't play the larger ones. All right, I guess they they got to a point where they're like this app is going to explode if you uh, make it big enough we, we could like let that. you play an epic marathon map but your your, your handheld would <clears throat> melt yeah, yeah. you have epic <laughs> processing times as well <laughs> <clears throat> yeah and you thought pc processing times could be bad sometimes oh boy you know i, I want to mention i've been noticing that as i've been playing civ the last few weeks I, I feel like the turn times have improved i don't know if it if they updated that in one of the recent patches but I, i've been noticing it's been Turn times have been moving along a lot quicker. The processing times between turns. Um, the main team mentioned that when he got his new computer, I think it's just really dependent on your computer because I never noticed anything, but I, I always turn times for Civ 6 were quite fine. Much more than Civ 4, uh, since Civ 5, rather. You know what? It, it might be that I just replaced a faulty battery on my laptop. So maybe that's the... Uh, oh, there you go, yeah. That, that might be it, now mm -hmm. that I think about it. Because I think a lot of it is um, local, not server size, uh, server side rather. When people are complaining about the turn times. Well, I, I play almost exclusively single player, so I should not be getting server lag. But um, I, I still think the the price is a little. Uh, but they can, yeah, if they want to monopolize, then they can monopolize. That's that's yeah. That that was my biggest issue when when the iOS version was first released. Like even just the the base game, I think they wanted the full like $60 or $50 or whatever. And I was like, really? Like two years or a year? Two, two years later? Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because and, and, because well, what are you going to do? It, it was worse because I, 
at the time yeah. I just thought that the game was discounted on Steam already, like you know, like the base game had gone down to like thirty or forty dollars, like you know, base price. But apparently that hadn't happened either. I think Civ Six is unless you get it during a sale is still also the full fifty or sixty dollars on Steam. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it finally was during this summer sale. I don't know if it was earlier though. It was fifteen dollars in the summer sale. Right, but that's the the sale. So I think after the summer sale's over, I think it probably returns to the the full price, unless they finally did drop the base price. The full price for current civilization, according to SteamPowered.com, is I'm not stalling for time. I swear, my internet is fast. I promise. Is <laughs> you don't need to stall. You you can cut it out. <laughs> Fifty nine ninety nine on special promotion, seventy percent off until July twenty ninth. Oh, so there you go. It, it's what they're doing is it's just it's the same price on every platform, I guess, because they don't want you know the owners of one platform to feel like you know they had to pay more than owners on another platform. <laughs> yeah, just because I was an early I wanna... adopter, I had to pay more. What? But what if I want to play my my second expansion on my a- my iOS? Then you, I guess, have to wait another year. Or two. Or two. <laughs> I think it'll be less time than that. But I hope so. All right. There was another article that I did not put into the news because I found it 45 minutes before the show started, but it basically said, we expect the Switch expansion packs out by the end of the year. So, hmm. And that makes sense. I mean, now that they have Aspire, right, is the name of the, the company yeah. that does the port. Yeah, now that they have experience with the, the vanilla game and with the first expansion, you know, porting the later expansions and DLC is probably going to be a lot quicker. All the other dlcs are already available oh, yeah, right. the switch the switch version includes all of the digital deluxe dlc stuff i think how to get it back out give me an excuse to play civ while that's fine your multitasking is a, is a great talent to have oh uh, yeah it would be great if i actually had that talent these things are all, all right let's see Alexander... there's also there's also the cut the cut thing you can do well, I could do that, but that that just makes it boring. Yeah, no, this is this is content. This is this is a this is just a bonus for the people who are listening live. Yes, I noticed that Australia is here. Yeah. Oh well, that's all you need, Did right? I might? <laughs> Australia is in the Switch version, and we also have. <laughs> I didn't know what you meant by Australia is here. There are many things that Australia is here could mean. Jadwiga, <laughs> Cyrus, Cleopatra. Well, she's in the normal game. Alexander. At least some of them are here. Yeah, I, I think they have all of them on there. Actually, I'm not sure. I'm oh, not like seeing... the DLC civs? Yeah. I'm not seeing uh, the probably. Indonesia civs. The Indonesia and... I'd imagine. I mean... Maybe because you did not purchase them? Yeah, Vikings, <laughs> Vikings, Traders, and Raiders, Outback Tycoon, Jadwiga's Legacy, Conquest of Alexander. So it's got to be in there. There's no way that they would that they would not be consistent. On... It's not here. The rule sets are not there. So that's hmm. a little so, odd. Uh, Poland is there. Vikings are there. Australia's there. Persian, Macedon, Nubia, and Khmer in Indonesia are not. That okay. is well, weird. So hey, if you're gonna play it on a different handheld, then I guess you don't have the the Khmer. Basically, okay, any civilization from the DLC that is not a European civilization is not in the game. Okay. Well, that, that, that's weird. That's Wait, Australian is European? <clears throat> Australian is descendant of European, yes. Yeah, I was going to point out. Australia, like America and Canada, follow the European group. Okay. Because in the art files, American means Native American. It's been quite a fun topic. A lot more fun than I thought it would be. I mean, we thought it was just going to be a regular news item, but nope.
I think we can kill that one there and just move on to the next topic, which is uh, apparently important. <laughs> yeah, why is the district so... What is the district and why is it so hard to repair? Well, because it's like a whole mess. I Okay, if it's one stall, like the example on here is Victoria's screenshot is a market taking seven turns and an industrial zone taking 38 to repair. But think about that in terms of in real life, like if you have a... The modern version of a market would be probably like your downtown commercial business district. If somebody came in and pillaged a bunch of the buildings there or blew them up, it would take a while to repair that. An industrial zone, yeah, just the same. I mean... Yes, but it would take a lot less time to rebuild the roads around the buildings than it would to rebuild the buildings. And that's what the, the districts represent, is it's the area in which the buildings are located, not the buildings themselves. I guess that's the point that she's trying to make. Well, yeah, I like think regardless of what they represent, like in terms of gameplay, I think they take quite a bit too long. When I saw what is a district, I could not finish, I could not complete, or sorry, my brain auto-completed to a miserable pile of secrets, but <laughs> that's just me. There's also the, the comparison to, you know, a pillaged um, improvement, which is effectively free to improve. I don't even think it costs the builder charge. So as long as you just have a builder with one charge sitting around, you can go around and repair all of your uh, improvements like for free. Yeah. And, and like just compare that to districts. It's, you know, massive disparity. The builder can rebuild the entire mine in a highway system, but no, it's going to take you half the game that's remaining to rebuild your district. Hold up. Yeah. So I, I think- haven't played since they added the production patch. And my understanding was that because of what they did, districts, district time should not take as long as what Victoria is showing here. It may be an outlier, but seven seven turns to build uh, to rebuild a market seems a little excessive. I, I don't know if you guys have seen this kind of turn time. I, I've had uh, I've conquered a couple cities in the game that I was playing earlier this week, and rebuilding the districts I think was still taking on the order of like twenty or more turns. But I, I do want to point out, though, that in Victoria's screenshot, like it looks like it shows the option to build a bank, which is not available yet because the market is not repaired. And that mm-hmm. says it's going to take 65 turns. Yeah. So yeah, almost so pro- pro- twice proportion- as much. Yeah, proportional to what apparently that city's actual output is, that market one's not bad. The industrial zone, though, whoo. Yeah, so that city looks like it's just a very unproductive city. Uh, yeah, yeah. to begin with because uh you know depending on i don't know what uh game length victoria is playing on but you know taking 65 turns to build a bank is something like what an eighth or a twelfth of the entire game so actually what i want to know what the production uh cost is now just on on base because that's what uh, it's whatever the production cost for a new district is yeah and you can see that in the screenshot as well the theater square and the entertainment complex are both there and they also take 38 turns to rebuild so the issue is that you're not paying a discount you have to rebuild the entire district from scratch essentially mm-hmm. even though you'd think there's you know there'd be something salvageable that's here 120 hammers but i know that's different from uh yeah so that's i don't know but well, the base it, it cost should not for take this district long. scales over the course of the game so I know, I know that. Yeah. One thing they, that she brings up, uh, natural disaster can just drop by and just kill your production for you know most of the game, and I mean you know that is 
part. It sucks, but it is part of the risk you have depending on where you decide to settle. Yeah, yeah, for the case of like floodplains and volcanoes, for the case of hurricane or <laughs> dust storm or something like that, not quite as as much. And we've yeah. had that discussion on on this show before that you know the disasters are not all created equal. I definitely agree with Victoria that those those costs are too much. I, I do not think it should cost the same as building a new district from scratch to repair a district that's already there but which is damaged. Yeah, you'd think it would be like a half cost or something like that, or even a third of the cost because you went and you pillaged it. So it looks something more like repairing that market. Yeah. Or, or maybe even just having like, I mean, I guess having the district and the buildings is kind of the same deal here, but maybe even just having like different stages of damage for a district. Kind of like a, if you remember, you go back to Civ Four, you could pillage the huts slash hamlets slash towns slash villages you know, multiple times down until mm. I think eventually removing it from, from the tile. So you, it just took that extra time to build it back up. So they could have something similar where like maybe you pillage district once and it's like partially damaged and then you pillage it again and it's like moderately damaged and then you pillage it again and it's completely damaged. The reason I agree with you a lot is because it's kind of difficult to accept that cities have so much defenses in Civ 5 and Civ 6, but, you know, one pillage can ruin a district. I mean, if, if it's a fully developed district with all the buildings in it, then it's going to take you three or four turns to, to pillage it there, but that's not going to come into play until later in the game. So, you know, especially if your city has walls or defenses, or maybe even there should be, like, some project that you can do in a city that's, you know, on the front lines where you can maybe reinforce the districts so that they are, you know, harder to pillage or take less damage, you know, as, like, a preventative measure. Like, just having something to make it so that you don't have to pay that crazy cost if the village, uh, if the district is pillaged would, would be nice. And I have a barking yeah. dog in the background. I don't know if you all can hear that. can't hear it at all. I do not. I wish I could hear that. I like dogs. I do not like dogs on recorded things I have to edit, but <laughs> I don't like Where's high turn. Is? I don't like high turn costs on uh, districts. Districts. <laughs> my, my, my dog is expressing her discontent with how expensive to repair districts. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fair. Good dog. And there are other suggestions on this um, this topic as well. Some people are suggesting that maybe you could use builder charges or military engineer charges to repair districts or to, you know, contribute towards the cost of building a district, kind I of like I think Aztec's special ability allows for that. So Yeah, I did see that, but production for production is always something that's questionable, or paying production to get production. To be fair, though, it does. It would take less time to put out a military engineer or one of the builders and repair that, even if it was only a partial repair, and then the city could handle the rest. And then you wouldn't be 38 turns. You, they could bring it back down to an under 10 turns reasonable time. Yeah, and another workaround, of course, would be to just start sending all of your, you know, putting all of your trade routes in that pillaged city to buff up your production. They're now aid caravans. Yeah. And there is actually the concept of aid in Gathering Storm, although it's gold and you can't unfortunately convert that directly to production and being given aid does not speed up the repair because you can't buy repairs with gold. So, eh, but you could hypothetically use that gold to buy other infrastructure. Maybe you buy a water mill in that city to boost its production or if the industrial hub was not uh, pillaged, then you can spend that aid money to buy a workshop or a factory. Maybe we should be able to buy it. I think that would be the most logical response. There is the one governor that lets you buy, who has a promotion that lets you buy districts with 
gold. And I don't know if that allows you to repair pillage districts with gold. So you could also, cons- I think it's, is it Reyna that does that? She's the gold one. So maybe, I think so. Don't quote I me on that. that. I, I, I spent a lot of time so I used her. Yeah, that sounds right. Because Liang's the one that has the fisheries and stuff. It's either Reyna or it's Liang, I think. I think it's, Liang's fishery lady. So there, there's yeah. ways that you can deal with it, but I, I still think that it's it's ridiculously expensive. It should not cost... It, unless the district is completely removed from the game, you should not have to pay the full 100% production cost to build it again. And if I am going to have to spend the, the 100% cost to build it again, like it would be nice, I think, to have it just removed from the game so that maybe I could build it in a better spot, you know, get a better adjacency. The cost formula value is still based on, you know, your tech and civics. Did that change or is that the same way it works now? That's the same. And I think it's also modified by like the number of that particular district that exists in the world. So the, the more of that district that other players have, I think the cheaper your district becomes. It's like a kind of a rubber band mechanic. I think that's still in the game. Because Victoria's, you know, I'm not going to, try to tutor her horn here but like she plays pretty high well a uh, high level pretty well so may- maybe she just went through the text pretty quickly and because she went faster than the balance intended now she's stuck with uh, a pillage that is a lot more expensive than should be designed for you know what i mean yeah, possibly. Uh, but again, looking at the, the 65 turns for that bank, I think that's just a really unproductive city, like in general. Because if the market was one of the parts of the, the first parts of the, like the commercial hub is still whole and they just have to repair the marketplace. And maybe the commercial hub was one of the earliest, not the early S, but earlier things built. So that's why it's cheaper, relatively speaking. It's the market's early on in a commercial hub, whereas the bank is much later era. Yeah. And, and of course, there's also, you know, preventatives, which is uh, if you're at war, you know, maybe don't let the other, you know, civ put units on your districts, you know, put your own units there to protect them. And in case of disasters, there is the one governor, I think this one is Liang, who can prevent damage from disasters. So if you're in a high risk area like a coast, that gets a lot of hurricanes or you know, next door to an active volcano, you know, you should probably have a promoted Liang in that city. Probably, yeah. The production of that city, according to basic mathematics, is 7.63 hammers. That's not a very productive city. And this, of course, is is one of the drawbacks of of chopping everything. You know, so one of the the hallmarks of high-level play is is you you chop everything because production now is better than production later. But this is is one of the drawbacks to doing that. Because if you've harvested all, like, the stone... And, you know, stuff like that. And I think copper is harvestable. If you harvest all of that stuff from your city and now you don't have any productive tiles, if a disaster comes along or someone comes and pillages that city, you're going to have a tough time rebuilding it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things that I think um, I actually did like about Gathering Storm was having that chance of the random disasters really did kind of change the, the calculus in your head about, oh, well, should I really chop all this stuff? or and harvest it or should i you know leave it you know just in case because i i want to make sure that i have a buffer of productive tiles just in case a disaster does happen that's possible what happened i I would say that you need to be able to we should have we should have the opportunity to to buy repairs with with gold considering there's sometimes in the late game you have so much gold that it's not that you don't know what to do with it, but you would like to put it into something more productive than just, let me buy more units. You could play as Hungary and buy city-state envoys. <laughs> oh, so you, you can have 91 city? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that too. Oh, you're hungry. Okay, you win. Congratulations for being hungry. Congratulations actually, for being like Genghis Khan. It's actually 4.46 <laughs> hammers per turn. I calculated that wrong. What did you read? The number of hammers that you estimate that city has? Yeah, it requires 265 or 290 hammers to build, and it takes 65 turns. So divide those numbers and end up with 4.46, blah, 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 blah. So, yes, that is terribly unproductive. Yeah, I think at that point, you got your own problems that you need to deal with. At that point, your city has some serious issues. Burn it. Oh, wait, you can't do that. <laughs> it's six. Oh. Oh. Well, well, you can raise it as long as it's not a capital or a city-state. No, can you raise city-states now? I think you might be able to raise city-states now. Yes, oh, you can. You cannot raise original capitals. Capital. Uh, yeah. Except, I think, for Phoenicia, because she has that fancy ability to move hers around. And I think when you move it, it actually moves the original capital designation. Uh, but I could be wrong, because I have that is I have correct. actually try that. Phoenicia does move its original capital. Which means you can totally troll someone trying to go for a domination victory. Doing that is so expensive, like on your resources to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is why I'd say it would be trolling. Yeah. I mean, you. I can see how that would work out in multiplayer, but man, that's <laughs> that's a really expensive troll. <laughs> yeah, it is. But the important point is it would be fun. I've it played fun. games and online. Fun, I know the sort of things fun that Fun does do. require resources. Yeah. yeah. Fun is not free. Fun is not free. Well, sometimes it's an Sometimes, but, sometimes, but yeah, you know. <laughs> any, uh, any other good insights from any other posters on this topic? I think we got all the good stuff out of it. it. Yeah, it looks like someone else, other people are, are taking the let us buy repairs kind of approach. Okay, let's talk about city-states. Who are your top five best city-states with homage to Dan Q for the top blank statements? (laughs) Dan will Uh, be disappointed it's only top five and not top ten. Also... He will not be able to make as big a spreadsheet. How many city-states are there, like, total? A lot. Okay, I guess that's a lot then. Do I need to look it up? I think I should look it up. No, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, I've got the... I'm I'm just going to say it's... uh, City-states... I'm just going to say 50 and move on. I don't think it's quite that many, but it's somewhere on the order of like 30 or 40. And, yeah. and remember, some of them are only in, in certain versions of the game because some of them were replaced because they became cities of like full-blown civs that were added by DLC or expansions. They didn't change that globally for like the Elder expansions? I, I think they just replaced those civ- or those city-states with other city-states. So I think the number is consistent across the game, but if you're looking at like a list of all the city-states that have ever been in the game, it, it might be a longer list. I'm and counting yeah, 43. That's about as many as the number of civs in the game. I yeah, think. that is true. Yep. And they all have a unique bonus, which means they did a lot of work. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the city-state mechanics in this game in that respect. If they had the ability to bully them like they did in Civ Five, I think I'd be a very happy camper with regard to how city-states work. In no particular order, my opinion on the best five city-states, Carthage is a good one. What else is good? Hong Kong is good. If you like city projects, I don't. Kabul is excellent. I'm going to put Kabul and Carthage up there. Mexico City is good. Nan Madal is Mexico good. I Mexico City in any games yet. Oh, what's what's the fifth one? There's one more that I like that I forget. Nazca? Toronto. Oh, <laughs> Toronto is still here, even though we have Canada. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I- I'm not sure how that works. Oh, it's just a city of 
Canada. A province, rather. There are Whatever. no American cities in this game, except Cahokia. Cahokia is not really an American city. It's a city that was in in current America. I think that was a Iroquois city, right? No, it was a Mississippian culture okay. in basically where St. Louis is. Like, if you were going to go for a Canadian city that was going to act like a city-state, you'd think it would be Quebec? Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah, isn't Montreal a city-state, too? No, I'm not seeing it in this list. It was in Civ Five, I think. Yeah, Civ Five we had Montreal. And we got to make all the, oh, look, it's Quebec jokes. Wait a minute. I'm seeing a, a note down here that says Toronto was replaced by something in the Gathering Storm. Apparently Mexico City. Okay, because see, I was thinking that didn't sound right, because it's like, wait, every time that they've done this, they've usually replaced it. I mean, they didn't have to replace Auckland when they added the Maori because, you know, it's different civilizations, so to speak. Yeah. And Auckland is one of my favorite city-states. That was going to be in my list. Yes. If I, yeah, it makes sense. If I'm Australia, I have to have Auckland because they're, they're, they're the little brothers. Oh, Auckland if you have any is, coastal yeah. city, you want Auckland. So we'll have to subtract six from that list because it included civilization and it included names that were renamed by other civs. So we're at like 36, right? Yeah, Antioch replaced Amsterdam. We actually yeah, I would have thought there'd, there'd be like a little asterisk or something next to the ones that were replaced. or, or Nope, you know, but just by the only... ones that they were replaced with. Yeah, at least on, on this wiki. Babylon replaced Seoul, Bologna, or Bologna replaced Stockholm, and I will say that... What is it? What, what replaced Carthage in Gathering Storm? Nigagurzaru. Oh, um... So oh, Carthage is off my list because it doesn't exist anymore. Nagazaramu. I'm not sure I've even seen that. It gives land combat or support units plus 20% cheaper to purchase with gold and each camping district it, with city in, for each encamp district building in that city. So 60% cheaper land unit purchases if you have a military academy. Sounds interesting, but I think uh, Muscat is better. So what about Maki and Drusane? Do you have a list of top five? Uh, you can go, Maki, first. Well, you know, Auckland, I have to agree with already. I mentioned Nazca because I like those guys. I kind of just like blanket like most of the trade ones, because when you find one of those, even if you can, I think Zanzibar is probably the best of those, maybe. But finding those guys means, if you, if you find one early, it's a little easier on your economy at the beginning. Hmm. Don't I don't really seek out the military ones now that I think about it. I mean, sometimes I want the other religious ones. I forget who gives the east. Is it I'm trying to think of who gives the Easter Island heads? That is Laventa. Yeah, because having, oh, no, having those are that, colossal heads. Colossal are you talking heads. about the Maui, the Ma the Maori one? No, no, no. I that's I was thinking of Laventa and those heads because they were there before. We had them. Because Rapa Nui gives the MOA, or MOI. Yeah. So there's two different, yeah, when you have extra structures, especially, I mean, this is where the Nazca lines are a little more useful, I guess, because you have those, a big swath of desert that's flat, and there's not a lot you can do with it, and then, oh, look, lines, lines, lines. But then you could, if you had one of the other city-states, you could fill in with the religious idol-type things and stuff, and, you know, I, I like it when they give me new things to build, I guess. Yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah, and those Nazca lines give you food, I think, right? So on a yeah. desert tile, that's uh, that's good. Even on plains, I can't wait. Maybe you can't build on a plains tile, <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's a very those things like that are helpful because it helps make a, a crap city more like a marginal city and a marginal city halfway decent. Nazca lines plus one faith to adjacent tiles plus one additional faith to adjacent tiles with resource plus one food to 
adjacent desert and desert hill tiles with civil service, plus one production to adjacent flat tiles with mass production, plus one appeal, and cannot be worked. It gives those bonuses to adjacent tiles? Yes, because you cannot work a tile that has the Nazca line on it. Oh, okay. So it's almost like a district. Kind of, or like a mountain or something like that. Yeah. Because you can work districts. Yeah, you, you still have specialists available, even though most of the time my cities don't get big enough to worry about that. That's no. all I can think of at the top of my head about city, particular city-states. Well, I mean, I'm going to have a very a very minority opinion in which and every time I bring this up, people go, wait, wait, really? In my single, in my single player games, I don't put in city-states because I would prefer to just have more cities and more cities to target with. And, you know, I don't really like it when uh, city-states are in my way. And I know that's like crazy because, you know, I, I, I can accept that there's a lot of city-states that just have really good bonuses. So, you know, why not have the bonuses? So in single-player games, I usually turn them off. And in multiplayer games, my it doesn't really matter what the city-state is. In our turn-cast games, which, you know, in our turn-cast games, our games are uh, player versus the AI. We find an AI to fight and we do that. And what I do is I just um, suzerain whatever city-state that is between me or near me and my opponent so that the opponent doesn't have it and I have it. So... That's really, as far as the effects of city-states, I can't really tell you because I don't really play for city-state effects, which is a very minority opinion, or not really an opinion, but just a minority kind of way of playing it. But that's that's how city-states are to me. All right, well, so- a none of the above answer. Yeah, I sometimes think about uh, maybe we should be turning it off in multiplayer because half the time that just ends up with somebody gets, there's so many times, I mean, Grim is particular about this, but it's in the way. Their position is a really weird spot. You could have put a city of their own there, or you get the AI getting stronger by going and conquering them early. Yeah, but I think you can raise them in Civ Six. So if it's in your way, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just you know that that takes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. When I could have just you know not had them in there in in the first place. Could have already been in there and conquered them by now, but no. I would have to say that uh, I do play with city states. Uh, I, I like, as I said earlier, if uh, if we could just bully them like we could in Civ Five, I, I think this would be a much better implementation of city states than in Civ Five. But unfortunately, we can't. So it's that is a, such a you know, Dan answer. Yeah, it, it's it's a two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. Has to have the diplomatic answer. Um, I, I would have to say that my number one, two, and three favorite city state was Vanilla Carthage. The plus one trade yeah. route capacity for encampments. Oh, yeah, that was head and shoulders because trade routes are just so good. I wanted that one every game that I saw them. So I would fight over them. But I, their new ability, I'm kind of meh, you know, whatever. Well, so, they're uh, not even Carthage anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, they're not even in the game anymore. So well, uh, they, they got replaced with Nagazar Gamu. We have trouble pronouncing and most of us haven't seen in the game yet. The, the other ones that I like to look for, if I'm playing with any Civ that has like a religious flavor or religious abilities, I want uh, Yerevan. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which um, lets your apostles choose any promotion. Yerevan, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, yeah. so I can take Martyr unless I'm playing as uh, what the Khmer, which um, who has the ability to get that for free. And then I, you can take like the triple strength promotion or the extra theological combat. Yeah. So if I'm playing a religious sieve, then, then Yerevan shoots like right up to my number one. But of course, if I'm not playing as a religious sieve, then all of the religious ones are 
kind of like crap, except maybe for the ones that give you a good tile yield. Like Maki, I like Auckland because, you know, you just get coastal cities. You know, so many of the civs have coastal starts that getting production on coastal tiles is always really good. And Lisbon is also usually really good, which makes your traders immune to being plundered on water tiles. And that's particularly good on the water because, you know, those eventually the land fills up, you know, with cities and units and stuff like that. So barbarians aren't appearing on them. But if you're sending intercontinental trade, the barbarians, you know, caravels or whatever will literally just come out of nowhere. And it's so tedious to have to escort your water-based trade units. So if I can find Lisbon, I like having them just to reduce the amount of micromanagement that I have to do for my seafaring trade routes. I wish I could when attach you were talking, a unit to it. When you were talking about, um, there actually are a lot of religious uh, city-states that actually uh, do change the game quite a bit. And um, I don't think you mentioned Candy, but Candy is also up there as well. So. Candy is good if you find it early. Right. Yes. If if I if I can get uh candy like if that's like the first city state I meet and I can, you know, easily resolve like their first quest, I will sometimes just not even bother exploring until I can get that third envoy in them and then send my scouts out. Cuz yes, that those free early relics are amazing. If I'm doing a if I was going for a religious victory, I'd probably pay a lot more attention to city states. Otherwise, yeah, maybe not. Yes, Jerusalem are me. very good for, for religious victories. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. freaking amazing for religious victory. Yes, yeah, uh, I, I think Jerusalem site, I is, is not as. I, I could be wrong. I haven't used them as much, uh, but like their original vanilla ability was, I think, really good. Like it, they basically acted as a holy city for whatever religion was in there. The rise and fall ability, I. I, I think is probably not as good, but it's it still turns good. every city that has a holy site of yours into a holy city. Oh, it's, so it's even better. It's holy even crap. better. Yeah. yeah, I thought they oh. nerfed it. I totally misread that. I thought it just doubled pressure. <laughs> no, in it's Jerusalem. It, it's four times pressure. Holy okay. cities have four times religious pressure. I All think, right. ironically, lately they've shown up in games where I wasn't doing religious victory. Dang it! Yeah, so that is crazy good. And then, like three of the other religious city states are. Laventa, who make colossal heads, and Nazca, who make Nazca lines, and Armog, Armog monasteries, or Amau, I think is called pronounced. Okay, I think I don't know for sure. It's a Celtic word. Yeah, if you've got a religious sieve, those religious city states are really good. We need the Christie to tell us how to pronounce that. I was going to say, ask him later. <laughs> That's where Saint Patrick had his monastery. Those are the those are the big ones that I really look at. I also like there was a cultural one. That I liked a lot, and I'm I'm blanking on which one it was. So I'm trying Mohanga, to Mohanga Daru. For some reason, Kamasi comes to mind when there's a good yeah. One. That that one's good, especially if you've got a lot of deserts. That's a situational one. But that one's really good. I think I was thinking of is it non non Madal? I don't know how to pronounce that. But non Madal. Yeah, plus districts two on the coast uh, give a co- give culture. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so many cities or so many civs have coastal or near coast start biases that. Like all those things that buff coastal cities because they tend to coastal cities have, a, a, I think, some balancing issues in Civ 6 because uh, water tiles are so unproductive. Anything that you get that buffs those cities is really good. And Auckland in particular, because it adds that missing production. Antoninario was really good until recently. It used to be like plus 5% culture for every something that you had. Not the <laughs> same as it is now. 
Oh, wow. And it was uncapped, so if you had, like... You could get, like, plus 50% culture globally. Yeah, so if you built that uh, that very early theater square, you know, because you're playing as Greece or whatever, and you've got, like, every writer and musician and artist in the game almost, that buff would be huge. Now it's plus 2% for every uh, great person. Up to 30%. Up to 30%, yeah. which is still pretty dang good, but not as good. Yeah, let's see. Brussels can be really good. Buenos Aires, really good if you're having happiness problems. It makes your bonus resources provide amenity. Have we forgotten Hatutsa? With Gathering Storm yeah. gives oh, you plus yeah. two of each strategic resource per turn you have revealed but do not own. Where was the Hatutsa in the game a couple weeks ago where I had nothing? Well, they were busy having nothing, so... <laughs> not existing or having existence yeah. failure if they existed you wouldn't have nothing so yeah yeah it's really hard to make like one specific top five list because there there's a lot of them that are good for certain sibs or certain play situational. styles I was about to say yeah the same there's thing. a lot of them that are very situational so uh, there's a, the, the few of them that i think are just universally good but it's it's really hard to pick bandar brunei pretty dang good although i think yeah. it's been changed into jakarta now or is now it used to be Jakarta. It's now Bandar Brunei. Yeah, I, th- I think Mackie had mentioned Zanzibar, giving you the cinnamon and cloves luxuries. That's really good. And they both give double amenities. I, I think it only gives you one copy of each, though, so you can't trade them away like you could with the uh, the cinnamon and cloves from Indonesia in Civ Five. So that's a, I think that's a little bummer. Well, there was also I thought that was a little too much in Civ Five. <laughs> I always thought it was a little too much because it was um it, it was also affecting your diplo too and I thought I thought that was a little much. That was a city ab- a civ ability though. Yeah, I still thought it was a little much. Well, considering that they had to be mo- uh, na- uh, naval, it was not always that great. And also just um sell that stuff straight out the bat uh, straight out the bat for a bunch of money and that's how a lot of people were bankroll at the start. Valletta is really nice because you can buy your walls that is probably my single favorite military city state and i think i don't know if they can still do it but they used to be able to buy yeah city center buildings so uh, granaries monuments and water mills as well but i mean coastal flood things the water those count as as coastal barriers well they count as a city center building oh okay that's what i do i don't know if that still counts they may have nerfed that yeah, I, I think I remember reading that being patched out in one of the patches, but I could be wrong. Actually, no, it says in the wiki that Valletta can still do that. So. Oh, okay. Wow, that is that is super powerful. Those things are expensive. Well, they're expensive as long as you build them too late. If you build them early, they're not as expensive. I think the cost also depends on how many coastal lowland tiles are near the city. It count, it's, uh, It scales on number of lowland tiles and number of levels the ocean has risen. Because sometimes, you know, you have your city-states and your city-states are there, but it's not always just city-states that are kind of in your way because sometimes you have free cities that are in your way as well. There is a Syphonatics thread written by Brutus 2, who says, are free cities too aggressive? Now, it's been a while since I've played again, but um, the when I was reading about this, it seemed like they are a lot more aggressive than they are supposed to be. My, my recollection of how free states um, would play is that they would stay within the tiles, and um, you know, if, if they have sight on something, they will go attack it even if it's not inside their uh, borders 
But if, you know, if they don't see anything, they will stay in their borders. Um, what there's, what Brutus here is saying is that, or at least from what I can tell here is that they will go outside of the city that they are a free city of and just start pounding people. They're also talking about, um, you know, free cities flipping around, uh, back and forth and just, uh, spawning more troops, which they do that. They've always done that, which is kind of annoying, but if they are seeing them act differently than they have been before. I uh, don't know. I was always operating under the assumption that they just, the units just acted the same as barbarian units. That's what no, it- no, no. They, they, unless they have sight, they will not, or rather they should not be coming out of the, the city. And if they are, then that's not what they should be doing because if they're going out of the city. Then they're not defending the free city. That's the whole point of them generating war uh yeah when when i've seen them attacking things it's been because that's i'm in a war with another civ and that's one of their cities i couldn't hold on to and it flipped and my army is around their borders and that probably looks threatening so they come attacking my army units as i'm passing past waiting for it to flip back the other way or or i'm going to come in and attack them again yeah i don't think i've seen it that i I think once I had a city that had flipped that wasn't, I didn't had nothing to do with the flipping that was on my borders, but because my units were close to that, I guess they had sight of my units and went, Hey, army's near us. We don't like that. Yeah. If they have sight on something, they will attack it. Um, you know, that's, that's how it's always been. If they are roaming and attacking with no sight, then that is different than what I'm, than I'm familiar with. Yeah, because most um, of the situations I've seen free cities, they are surrounded by my or another civ's borders, and they have visual on our unit, so they're coming up to theirs and going, hey, get out of here, you know. I think it would be hilarious if the free cities had the same uh, raid logic that regular barbarians had, and they'd send out scouts, and if they find another city, they <laughs> they spawn a bunch of units and go conquer other cities. Oh, dear. That uh, might be I think that would be hilarious. I would not think it's hilarious. <laughs> no, let's I, I not go have... back to Civ 1 and Barbarians with Civ Yeah, no. it would be funny, but it would probably not be uh, very fun. Um, uh, man, I have so much problems balanced. managing loyalty that, you know, I, I always get a bunch of free city flips, which means that they uh, create more and more and more armies. Yeah, when they flip back and forth, that's, that's really obnoxious. <laughs> Uh, I, I also want to say that I, I wonder if maybe the behaviors of the AI might contribute to this a lot, because the AI likes to build its cities very close together, very packed mm-hmm. in. So, you know, I, I wonder if maybe if they also have sight of things like maybe cities and districts, maybe they go after those to pillage and raid them. Maybe it's not just units. I don't think I've ever seen them pillage. I am. I'm trying to remember if I ever... Because I most of the times where I have a city near me that flips to a free city i usually just send in my military and i conquer it just because you know it's like free city you know why not (laughs) um and there's like no diplomatic repercussions i think for for capturing a free city like i don't think it generates grievances with anybody uh in the earlier versions of the game i don't think it contributed towards your warmonger unless you raised it so i'm like yeah free city sure i'll take it but yeah so if, if the ais are if the map is just very crowded you're going to have a lot of cities packed in real tight, and you're probably going to have a lot of units that are just wandering around, because the AI just loves to wander units around for, like, no good reason. So it, it could very easily just be that, you know, they're 
seeing something like that and then they're moving to it and then they see something else and maybe they just keep going like they kind of daisy chain Ooh, something shiny let's go kill it Ooh, something else shiny let's go kill it <laughs> what would be your um your opinion if they if instead of them the free cities spawning units that they get instant walls instead because it's always bothered me that they don't get walls do they not even if the city already had walls no they they delete those walls. Oh, jeez. So like you know, you can easily take a, a free city a free city back, and I don't know if it's uh, proportional, but I'm thinking maybe because I, I I don't like the unit clutter. Now maybe that's maybe the unit clutter is okay, and I'm just being whiny about it. But like, give them walls and not have units, and just let that be. <laughs> Well, the like, clutter of the map in both Civ Five and Civ Six is one of my biggest complaints with both of the games. Like, not just units, but also just how densely packed cities are, and like that that discontinuity between the scale of cities and the scale of units. You know, I, I, in a tactical combat game like this, I would like to just have more open space in which to maneuver and position units, and not as many choke points and cities and bombardment towers and stuff like that. But yeah, I I, I thought they did get walls. That's no, no, no. Cities do not get walls. Yeah, I think they definitely should, especially since I, I think I remember them patching the game at some point to like, or they entered, or I think Firaxis had at some Am point entertained the idea of just I giving all city states walls, like at the start of the game, in order to limit the AI, you know, just conquering them within twenty turns. Yeah, they gave them walls. Free cities. Yeah, uh, not free cities. No, city, oh, okay, city okay. states, because the AI was just w- wandering through, yeah, flattening yeah. them, and getting to. Yeah, no, they, they, that change need to ha- needed to happen. So it, it seems odd to me that you would give city-states free walls, but not give free cities free walls. Especially since free cities come into play later in the game when everybody has a developed military. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and since it was recently cheap. conquered, there's usually going to be a siege unit around. So, Well, not necessarily. I mean, it could just flip from pressure without... Oh, that's true. Con- without any conquering going on uh yeah it, it, it most of the time it's probably because somebody conquered a city and they couldn't hold on to the loyalty uh but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be so yeah there i've seen times where a city does flip just from from loyalty pressure and then ju- and then has a bunch of like you know contemporary units and like nobody around them has any units and so that free city is like the most powerful military in the region oh yeah they can sh- show up with like muskets really early if i I imagine it's the same way with uh, they do it the same way with uh five where they just find whatever is the highest um built unit at that time and then just adopt it it's either that or it's an average tech level i think it would be a lot lower if it was average because that's including the city states sort of like pretty much falling off the map i also always disliked that three cities are hostile to everyone like you'd, you'd kind of think that maybe like either the the civ that they used to belong to, or especially in the case of of where there was conquest and like they're they're flipping away from the conquering civ because of loyalty from the original owner. Like you'd you'd think that the city or the civ that is providing all the loyalty pressure that flipped the city would not be at you know hostile towards them. I disagree. The whole point of it being a free city is that it's not part of the Empire anymore because they broke off the Empire. Yeah, I, I guess I kind of always had... When the 
when the concept was announced, I think I was kind of hoping that they would work more along the lines of city-states, where they would, like, revolt, but then they'd maybe be peaceful with everybody, except maybe for the Civ that they revolted from. Mm. And then there would actually be, like, some rudimentary level of diplomacy with them. I think the reason they can't really do that is because um, the AI logic is not turn by turn, so if a uh, free city is is flipped, like, on the next turn to be friendly to one sieve and then friendly to one, another sieve instead of you know that one etc cetera, etc cetera. it would it wouldn't work because we know that the ai doesn't plan per turn yeah well and i think there's also a cap on how many like quote civilizations there can be in the game and that includes city states so you can't add more civilizations or city states than what the game basically starts with and in order to make the free cities like have actual diplomacy and, and be treated even remotely like city-states, they would probably have to count as a separate faction. Uh, and I think the game just like at a fundamental level doesn't support that. It's so a little they, too much. Yeah, they just rolled them into the barbarian faction. Yeah. And then just changed the behavior slightly, which is like, yeah, okay, I, I see why they did that. I understand why they did that. But when, when, the, when I first played the game and I saw how, how they behaved, I, I was a little disappointed that they weren't a little more like complicated and diplomatically involved than they actually were. Yeah. Instead, they just make more unit clutter, which is uh, fun. Emphasis on the not fun. Are they too aggressive? I don't know. I don't think so. That said, I haven't played in a while. Unless the AI has changed, then uh, I wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm in large the same boat. There, I haven't. I haven't seen them recently enough to have a strong opinion one way or the other. And I've also gotten smarter with that about going for the capital first. So then I don't have so many loyalty problems. I mean, when I can reach the capital, sometimes that's hard. Anyway, we need to end the show. So. And his opponent. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard counter to your argument. This has been episode 342 of Bollycast. I'm Makalua as usual. Or is it 343? See, I can't even get the number right. I'm such it's a good It's 343, host. yes. Because I was having to shift through documents this morning. 342 got stuck in my head. Anyway, episode 343. I'm Makalua. With me as usual, Canis. I'm going to be reading The Child of the Cavern, so... Mega Bears fan? I guess I'll have to play with more free cities and find out if they're too aggressive. And you're saying? Remember, kids, if you see something, slay something. <laughs> That's a very grim thing to say. Grim as in grim and grim as in Grimvec, he... Record date, July 27th, 2019. Civilization 4, 5, Beyond Earth, and 6 Sound Clips Copyright Take-Two Interactive. Copyright The Polycast at thepolycast.net.